on Saturday. And the reason I'm coming to you live here today is because yesterday I was busy, busy, busy with Brother Andrew, and we were recording the finishing up of the Coliseum, at least my portion of it, uh, and uh, getting all of that uh, recorded. And now, uh, now we are ready to get it into production, and he's going to be adding all the video and the, the other footage that I've gathered together, that he's gathered together, the pictures that we have, and a number of other uh, visual illustrations that we have uh, that are going to be in the video. I think it's going to turn out good. At the end of it is my my preaching. I'm basically preaching at the end of it. So it, it, it will, I, I think it's going to go well. I think it'll be a blessing to those that, uh, listen and take heed to it and really understand what's going on in our world today. And uh, it's really a call to God's people to wake up. It's a wake-up call. And I hope it's heeded. I, ho- I hope they take heed to it. I hope it goes to a number of... I hope it goes in places that I can't get to and uh, it's shared. And I plan on making up a bunch of those DVDs and, and possibly sending it to pastors all over the place and uh, others uh, to get the truth out there about that and so people can understand exactly uh, where we're headed as a, as a world and as a nation uh, if repentance is not there among God's people, that if God's people don't get serious about the gospel, if they don't get serious about serving the Lord, you know, what's going to happen? Um, you know, uh you know, we, it's going to be good. So anyway, so we're hoping to have that done by the end of March uh, and and to get that online. And we'll feature that for five days on the sidebar of Sermon Audio on the front page. And we'll get that out there. And then we'll, we'll premiere it on YouTube and uh, Facebook. And I might even pay some money to, to have it seen by a bunch more people on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So I really want to push that out there and get that out there. So... Yesterday morning, we re- we finished recording. Actually, it was probably, I think it was about noon when we were done finally. I got there at about 9. It was 12, 1 o'clock. I can't, I can't, I think it was maybe 1 o'clock. But uh, we, we got finished with it, Brother Andrew and I did. And um, uh, and it, it, I think it's going to turn out well. I really do. So uh, praise the Lord for that. And we're looking forward to getting that out there. Uh, and uh, helping those uh, folks that need to desperately hear that. Uh, and, you know, a wake-up call, right? So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But that's we're working on that right now. And that's into production now. And uh, we'll uh, just see how it goes here uh, with the future here. Uh, keep praying for our trip to Canada. All's going well with that. Uh, making further plans. And... And we are continuing to get the truth out there and um, hoping to be a blessing to those in Canada and also to those in Pennsylvania, the unregistered Baptist, Russian Baptist there in Pennsylvania, and doing some interviewing there and then shooting up to New England and uh, getting over there and getting some footage. I just watched last night... I watched a great little film with my family, 
And the only thing I disagreed with it about, and it's not a Hollywood production, it's a Broadman Press production, which is uh, Baptist. Uh, but anyway, um, here it is, and you can order it. And uh, it's the story of John Leland. And the only thing I disagreed with it about is they had him kiss it as future wife or they're married, which I don't believe at all. Uh, let's see. Obviously, that's just Hollywood stuff. Let's see. Here. Enable Google fallback history. I have no I don't see it. Anyway, but you can order the video. I don't know why I can't get it in here. It won't show up for some reason. But uh, anyway, so uh, it's a good video, though. Watched it last night and thought it was really good. So um, you know, there's there's some of those private things I should recommend to you sometimes. There's private videos that are made. Uh, here's another one that I would recommend that you look into. It's dramatized, but it's good. Uh, called The Over Mountain Men. Uh, there's part one and two by Shiloh Film. And you look up Shiloh Films and... You know, you can find their, uh, the way to order their videos too as well. You can find that. I, I don't know why this, this search engine's not pulling that up. That's really strange. Whatever. Anyway, um, that's the story of the Baptist. Brother Beller was in that. Uh, he acted in one of those. He played uh, Lord Tryon, the governor. It's the story of religious struggle in Virginia for religious freedom. And uh, there's a bunch of those. Anyway, maybe sometime I'll I'll uh, maybe sometime I'll recommend a bunch of things for you to find uh, for your family that'll that'll uh, be some real instructional things for your family to watch and to learn from. Uh, you know that that might uh, maybe that'll be helpful. But uh, anyway, we'll see about that. Uh, maybe I can do that sometime. But here's Shiloh Films. I think this is their Facebook page. Yeah, it is. So. Anyway, there's there's some there's some uh, decent stuff on there. And uh, by the way, they have the story of Obadiah Holmes. It's called As With Roses. Uh, if it'll pull it up for some reason, it doesn't want to pull anything up. <laughs> the Baptist martyr that the Puritan, the Baptist martyr the Puritans should have left alone. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Oh, that that definitely is true. Here's the picture. I have somebody has this painting, but this is the painting of him being beaten, as with roses by the Puritan magistrates. How about that? Stick that in your Puritan pipe and smoke it, buddy. Uh, anyway, um, 
Yeah, he was a, Obadiah Holmes was an amazing guy. Anyway, so I'm not here to talk about that today, but thought I'd show you that. All that good stuff, right? And give you an opportunity to figure that out. This is an off day, so there's only 50 people on here right now. They're probably like, what in the world's going on? Uh, but uh, normally we, we uh, don't broadcast on a Saturday, uh, but was working on the Coliseum and all that good stuff. Now, we are going to get into the Giants. We're going to talk about the Giants today. And let's go to Genesis chapter 6 first. All right? So you pray about the Canadian trip. Pray about everything that's going on. And to pray the Lord would bless us. If you want to give towards that, you can find our information on sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley. You can find it on oldpazbaptistchurch.org and all those other things. And uh, th- those tell the truth and about how to get a hold of us and all that good stuff. So, contrary to our enemies. Uh, now, Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. See, people don't like this. They don't like real giants. You talk about real giants, you know. Oh, that word's just, come on. Where'd they come from? It came from the fallen sons of God. I've already proven that time and time again in my Sons of God series, Genesis 6 series. You can go listen to it before you think I'm some kind of crazy heretic because I'm not. It's just biblical. And I have the answers of why it doesn't happen today and what happened with it and, and the punishment of the, of the sons of God and all that stuff, okay? I mean, I have all that, all right? I do. I have it all. So I've covered that all in, in a series, all right? Um, So don't don't uh, think that I haven't covered it and I don't know what where it is and all that stuff. So it's all there. I've covered it. Genesis chapter six, sermonaudio.com slash pastor cooley. Go there. Okay. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now, then God talks about Noah's generations, which were pure generations. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. All righty. Now here we go. Before I get started, 
Before I get started with this, I mean, I'm going to get started with it, but before I get into this, you might ask the question, why do you believe there's a Smithsonian cover-up? Well, there's a lot of reasons why I believe there's a Smithsonian cover-up. A whole lot of reasons. But one of those reasons... One of those reasons is the fact that the media is absolutely controlled by the CIA. Okay? In an operation called Operation Mockingbird. Right there. Operation Mockingbird. Was a wiretapping operation initiated by President John F. Kennedy to identify the sources of government leaks by eavesdropping on the communications of journalists. It targeted two Washington-based newsmen who had been publishing news articles based on frequently quoting classified materials of the CIA and others, including top secret and special intelligence. CIA began to hire and contract students and people in the media to write false stories or embellish stories to favor the U.S. government. The government controls the media. And what is released is supposed to be released. And their stories are often the same. A child's happiness is... Okay, are you ready? This is centralized media control. All right? So I want to show you this. These are clips that are sp- that are going to... That are connected together. Okay? Okay, Patrick. Okay, Patrick. Are you ready, Patrick? Here we go. Because this is going to sound really similar and kind of eerie and kind of creepy. Ready? Okay. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. Well, a child's happiness is priceless, right? Especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on their birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A a child's happiness is priceless, especially when it comes to their birthdays. Absolutely. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. Well, a child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's smile is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. You know, a child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. You like that? 
In consumer news, economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some spring out of the Easter Bunny step this year. Economic factors may take some of the spring out of the Easter Bunny step this oh. year. Economic factors may take the spring out of the step of the Easter Bunny this year. Mike Myers says, yeah, baby. 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 Did I say that right? Yeah, say it right. Yeah, baby. Talk show host Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be able to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on his late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope once again on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien is looking to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be preparing to push the late night envelope. And welcome back to the show. Ice cream, you scream. You know the rest. 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 Well, ice cream, you scream. You know the rest. Ice cream, you scream. Well, you know the rest. Ice cream, you scream. Well, you know the rest. Ice cream, you scream. We all, well, you know the rest. Ice cream, you scream. You know the rest. 
I scream, you scream, we all know the rest. Well, I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, well, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, we all know the rest of it, right? I scream, you scream, well, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, and you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, well, you know the rest. Well, I scream, you scream, well, I think you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, and everybody knows the rest. I scream, you scream, well, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I scream, you scream, and you know the rest. I scream, you scream, you know the rest. I don't find that funny. I find it scary. <laughs> I do too. I find it scary too, right? So this is this is the media. What is this? Well, it's the control of media by the CIA. This is it's the CIA's control of media. And it's right in front of your face. It's right there in front of your face. And you ought not be confused about it. So back in the 1800s, though, in America, in the late 1800s, when all these giant discoveries were found everywhere, their bones were literally dug up. They did different construction. You know, they found them in caves. They found them. Well, guess what? The media wasn't controlled. It was more free. It was before the creation of the CIA and the secret service organizations that controlled the flow of information that Americans got. Right? So that's that's what happened. Now, how does it relate to what we're dealing with? Well, it relates to the flow of information that comes to people now. So when the narrative is already bought and paid for, when it is already bought and paid for, when it is already controlled, when it is already uh, one message that's given to everybody, so then... That you can see plain as day what's going on. And this is this is one of those subjects, the giants, that the Smithsonian absolutely distorts the information. In fact, I believe there, there's a PSYOP with it as well that has fake giant sightings. Like those fake pictures where... The guy's like standing inside of this big, huge giant. No, that's not real. It's fake. Because some of those are fake. The average person is not going to watch hours of conspiracy videos to find this stuff out. The average person doesn't have time. They got about enough time to read their Bible and to listen to some sermons. They don't have time to comb through hours and hours of conspiracy videos.
And that's why I don't dedicate entire broadcasts to just conspiracies. Because I'm trying to teach people Bible and I'm trying to teach them to understand exactly what's going on and why the flow of information works the way that it does. And how it specifically applies to them. And here's how it does. They put out those fake aliens and fake alien data. They put out those fake things. Like, I don't believe that anybody has dead aliens at Area 51. I absolutely do not believe that. Because I don't think there are any dead aliens. Because aliens are devils, and I don't think they could die. So, I don't think there's any fake... I don't think there's any dead aliens run, uh, that bodies that they're dissecting over at Area 51. I think a lot of it has to do with fake moon landings and fake stuff in the sky and fake things that they were doing. That's what I think. That's what I think a lot. But there is a cover-up that goes on. Lovelock, Nevada, 1911. Inside a narrow cave, two miners are searching for bat guano, a key ingredient in making fertilizer. But as they head deeper into the darkness, they make an unexpected discovery. They find more than 40 human skeletons, some of which are abnormally large. In 1911, giant bones were found in Lovelock Cave. Large human skulls and skeletons that measured between seven and eight feet in height. And these aren't fake, I don't believe. I believe these are real, and I believe they found them. And they find more all the time, but they'll put them in shows like this and things like this to make it look fake. Which, for ancient man, would have been rather significant. This caused a sensation, and one of the strange things about the discoveries in Lovelock Cave is that the skeletons were often found with red hair. And so it does seem like there are different kind of people than the Native Americans from that area. Although many of the large bones found in Lovelock Cave were unfortunately lost to time, for decades, the number of skulls were preserved at a local museum. Until about 10 years ago, there were four very large skulls on display inside the museum. These were then removed and ceremonially buried. What's also interesting is that over 100,000 artifacts were excavated. Right, ceremonially buried. Why? Well, they don't want anybody taking a look at those. Right? They don't want to look at those. They don't want anybody looking at those. They don't want anybody seeing those. And by the way, the Indians are a major part of the cover-up. And they're being paid to cover up the giants. These Indians on these tribes that count this land as sacred land, sacred burial grounds so nobody can dig around, that's an agreement they have with the United States government, probably the CIA and, uh, and uh, Homeland Security and all these other groups, that they will not let people come into those lands and walk around there and dig around there and get these giants out of there. Why? Well, 
The cover-up allows the Indians to keep the land, number one. And number two, it keeps the, uh, the false narrative of evolution, right? That evolution is true and that we're getting better. So that works for the government. And then they don't have to admit, then the Indians don't have to admit that they weren't the oldest ones on the land. That there were tribes of giants before them, ancient ones that were way back when, and they don't, and they could keep that covered up. So see, it's their land. See how that works? From Lovelock Cave. The strange thing is that many of the artifacts were huge. Like you have giant-sized sandals, like a 15-inch-long shoe, which is size 29 U.S which would fit someone who's about nine feet tall. And even pieces of clothing, which were so big, looked as though they were worn by giants. The idea that giant bones were actually found in a cave in Nevada may sound far-fetched to some. And it's not far-fetched at all, because my Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. That there were giants in the earth. And again, before the government, the Smithsonian, and and Homeland Security, and the CIA, and the FBI, and all these people. By the way, that's why it's illegal to own a moon rock. For the same reason. You're not allowed to own a moon rock. If you owned a rock from the moon, the FBI is going to come looking for you. Where'd you get that moon rock at? Because they don't want anybody analyzing that moon rock to find out that it's not real because they never went to the moon. How about that one? But the truth is that there were many such discoveries reported during the Wild West. In the southwestern United States, there's uh, several very strange stories of these um, dead corpses or skeletons being found regularly in terms of the reports of giants this is a compelling motif people were fascinated by this idea of a giant race that had lived here previously and this connects to a lot of biblical belief that tended to be fairly literal back in the day and the bible talks about back when there was a race of giants that lived among the earth and so for many people in the wild west when you see um, some skeletons dug out of the earth that seem to corroborate this. It doesn't seem to corroborate it. It does corroborate it. Because the Bible's the authority of all faith and practice. Right? So it does show that if they find these skeletons, if they find these uh, giant skulls, if they find these things... They got to bury it down. That can't be revealed, right? It can't be revealed. Because if that's revealed, then guess what? Then the Bible's true. We don't want any evidence to that. So the United States government, because the science community is ran by the Antichrist... And the media, 
and the media is ran by the CIA that controls the flow of information to man, we can't have that. This was a, an affirmation of literal biblical beliefs as well. Is it really possible that a race of giants once inhabited the Old West? As the numerous discoveries reported throughout the 1800s suggest? And if so, was evidence of these giants recovered in Lovelock Cave? Perhaps a clue can be found by examining the history of the indigenous Paiute people who have inhabited... Okay, so here's where the story is going to swerve. Are you ready? Because here's where it's going to swerve, okay? The swerve comes when this Indian girl tells a story about her ancestors that struck fire to the cave and all this stuff and burned all those giants up. Now, do I believe that? No, because I don't believe those giants were there at that time. Unless it's an ancient, ancient story passed down from from so-and-so all the way from before the flood. That's what I believe. But I believe they've got to they've got to make it like this time. They got to make it with these people in the last thousand years or so. But maybe it was four thousand years ago. And if it was four thousand years ago or before the flood, that's fine, isn't it? But see, this is what they don't want to do. They don't want the Bible to be correct about the timeline of man, like Usher's timeline of 6,000 years. They don't want that to be true. Because it disproves evolution, and the giants disprove evolution. You have all these people, which I'm going to show you in news clippings, found these giant bodies everywhere. Well, now nobody finds them, right? How come nobody finds them anymore? Because as soon as you find something and you call certain people, that gets to the Smithsonian, and then you have some feds knocking on your door, and you don't have those. Now, when we were out at the Indian Reservation, when we were traveling to the Grand Canyon a year ago or the year before that, maybe it was two, no, it was two years ago. Holy buckets, it was two years ago almost. It'll be two years ago this May. We were in the Grand Canyon, and on our way to the Grand Canyon, we stopped off, and I showed you those footprints of the, uh, was it a T-Rex? And the dinosaur imprint, the dinosaurs in the ground, and their footprints in man's tracks next to it. But there's some poor people out on that reservation, got no money. Gets no traction in the news. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that there's dinosaur tracks next to human tracks. Right? Nobody wants to talk about that. Why? Because it disproves evolution. Because dinosaurs were with men. So here, so maybe this story 
is true from thousands of years ago. Certainly not recently, that's for sure. The Nevada desert for centuries. A woman named Sarah Winnemucca, who was a descendant of Chief Winnemucca, the Paiutes, wrote a book in the 1800s and recounted her people's battle with this race of giants, the Sitika. Now, what's fascinating about this is that she says that it was an actual battle, not part of tribal lore or mythology, but something that actually occurred. The Sitika were red-haired and lived... I believe her. When it comes to that, if you're saying that it was thousands of years ago, I believe it. That there was a war. I also believe that those giants were in a lot of places. We know them from the scriptures. We see them all over. But nobody wants to talk about this stuff because it just gets spooky and weird. It's not spooky and weird. It's Bible. It's just plain fact of the scriptures is what it is. And they're finding those bones just like you find dinosaur bones. What is it all a proof of? A worldwide flood. You got that, Ross Duncan, if you're still listening out there in Ross Duncan land over there in Scotland! It's the proof of a worldwide flood. And they can't have that flood be true. Because if that flood is true, it destroys evolution. It destroys billions of billions of years ago. It absolutely destroys it. In the mountains near the Paiute nation, and they were cannibals. According to the Paiutes. Okay, so that's been said too. Historically speaking, in a lot of places. That those giants were cannibals and they ate people. Remember that guy at the state fair that said he wanted to eat me? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway, I just thought of that. He wasn't a giant, but he did want to eat me. They naturally grew tired of being cannibalized. And they confronted these giants. A war was started between the giants and the Paiute people. For three years, they battled one another. The last of the giants hold themselves up in the Lovelock cave. And the Paiute people stuff the openings with a bunch of brush and firewood and lit the place on fire. And that was the end of the red-haired giant cannibals. What's also interesting is that when the discovery was made in 1911 at Lovelock Cave, they also found evidence of extreme burning, which took place near the entrance to the cave. So this matches the story almost precisely. And again, we have evidence of red hair because Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins actually saved some of the hair and sewed it into a mourning dress, which she used when she gave lectures. And so the story of the pie. That's some creepy demonic stuff right there, bro. Paiutes defeating the giants then suddenly became a reality. For many, the evidence in support of the Paiute story about the red-headed giants is compelling. Not only because of what was found in Lovelock Cave, 
but also because there have been reports of giant bones being discovered in other places throughout the Western Nevada desert. If you go back and look through the records and you can find numerous accounts of bones, skeletons, and... And that's exactly what we're going to do. But our record, number one, is the word of God. God said there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Right? So we know that there were giants in the earth in those days. And there are giants that they find. Ginger giants. Can you imagine like a giant Jacob? Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about scary. A giant ginger Jacob. Could you imagine how absolutely frightening that would be to have a giant ginger Jacob? Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine an eight. I can't imagine an eight foot tall giant ginger Jacob. Oh, my word. That is frightening. Giant sized artifacts that have been found in this area. In 1904, it was reported that an 11-foot tall... And if you say it with that accent, you just... It sounds even more real. Like, if you say it like my white hillbilly uh, accent right now, the way I just my plane... It doesn't sound cool, but when you listen to this guy say it, it just sounds really ominous, doesn't it? In 1904, it was reported that an 11-foot tall skeleton was found. And then we have accounts in 1931 of an eight and a half foot skeleton that was 1931, 1931 reported. And so the fact is you have the stories, you have the skeletal evidence and you have the artifacts and even the legends that prove this was a real story of giants in this area. To be sure, the Pines believe this to be a historical truth. People might dismiss them as just folklore, but again, who's to say that it didn't happen? Of course there were ethnic conflicts, of course there were wars, and of course people tend to remember this. So this has been a real important part of many, many people's historical beliefs and how they think about their own history. Anyway, so uh, this gives you an idea that the world knows, they fully know, right, that there are giants. They fully know that. Now, we're going to look at before the media was controlled. Shall we go back in time a ways and just look at before the media was absolutely controlled by the CIA and the, the reports and the things that were there? Right? And just look at what was said. You know, this is the Smithsonian poo-pooing anything to do with, with giants and acting like, nah, uh-uh. You know, they, they have a record of doing that. Now, here we go. Look at this. So let's, let's start to look at, this is in the Kansas City Sun in 1900, Right. So before the media was controlled by the CIA, before it was controlled by anyone else, by the, by the United States government, legends of Indian tribes of Arizona and northern, northern Mexico team with tales of races of giants. 
who once lived on the mesas. Scientists say that prehistoric man was a little hairy creature bearing a closer resemblance to a monkey than a man. Darwinism enforces this belief. The hilts of the weapons of the men of the Bronze Age are too small to be classed firmly by men of today. Their armor is too small for men of today. But the finding of prehistoric skeletons in the Grand Canyon of Colorado would, if authenticated, overthrow all the arguments of the scientists. Oh, really? 40 miles from Flagstaff, Arizona, Hull, the guide, was unearthed the petrified skeleton of a man whom he estimates to be at least 17 feet high. 17 feet high. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? An old Indian led the guide to the human monster's tomb. The skeleton lay face downward on a shelf under a projecting rock. The right arm was extended. The left leg was missing. The right leg had been broken off at the knee, but the foot was found lodged in a crevice nearby. Lime water falling on the corpse had turned it into stone. The outlines of the body were perfect. Hull did not turn the fossil over to make accurate measurements. He and the old Indian studied the scone skeleton for 10 minutes and then returned to the trail. Nearby, Hull found perfect footprints of the giant imprinted in stone. Their distance apart showed his stride to have been at least 5 feet. This would, however, indicate a height of 10 or 11 feet tall. When Hole returned to Flagstaff, scientists scoffed at the story and his friends laughed at him. He was not since visited the skeleton because of the fear of ridicule. And of course, though he clings to his story and says he will lead any scientist to the spot to prove or disprove it, his giant must for the present be labeled interesting if true. Why are they doing that? They laugh you to scorn like you do when you bring up the Bible. Right? Because they don't want you bringing up the Bible. They don't want you to prove, right? Of this race of giants, a tribe lived on the island of Puna, the Gulf of Guayana. Their skulls and weapons are in the Smithsonian Institute. Oh, really? Bet you won't find them. Yucatan Indians have a legend of the giant of Navapak who tripped up belated travelers by lying down across the trails. The Mexican giants were buried in a sitting posture in enormous stone urns. Similar coffins made of clay have been found in the plains of far-off Chaldea, Asia. Skeletons of these men nine feet high have been found near Progreso, Mexico. Their skulls and weapons are in the Smithsonian Institute in Washington. Is that right? You think so? Do you think do you think they're there? Do you think you and I could find them if we went to the Smithsonian in Washington? I was so tempted this year, but I have no time. I was so tempted this year to go to the Smithsonian, but it won't work out to have little children, real little children with me. Uh me and Hannah and Lucius and Mandy and possibly Olivia and you know maybe Mercy could handle it. But my other little ones, ah, too much for them. Too much for them. The giant skeletons discovered by travelers of Arizona to Peru have the same average height. Their weapons and utensils are alike, showing that the tribe once hunted and ranged along the Pacific coast of the two continents. 
In the curious burial mounds scattered over the American continent, skeletons of giants have been found sometimes reaching about eight feet in height. The skeletons of the women are half a foot shorter. Giants of olden days, legends say, were cruel and enormous in strength, feeding on human flesh. Makes sense. The comparative tables given of modern and prehistoric giants seem to show that allowing for the uncertainty of measurement of the latter, there is probably not much difference between them. But a man eight feet six inches high would, of course, been much bigger to a race of pygmies. Yeah, because they were just a race of pygmies. That's what it was. A bunch of fools. Okay, let's see here. Here's one. Giant ske- Now, I have to be careful because they like to... They like to defile you with different things on Pinterest. So, I'm going to try to... Like, be careful not to show you anything that we don't want to see. All right? Giant skeletons found. This is in the New York Times, Los Angeles, February 10th. Owing to a giant, giants in Guadalupe, New Mexico. Antiquarians, archaeologists, antiquarians, archaeologists are preparing an expedition further to explore that region. This determination is based on the excitement that exists among the people of a scope of county near Mesa Rico, about 200 miles southeast of Las Vegas, where an old burial ground has been discovered that has yielded skeletons of enormous size. Lucinia Quintana, on whose ranch the ancient burial plot is located, discovered two stones that bore curious inscriptions, and beneath these were found in shallow excavations the bones of a frame that could not have been less than 12 feet in length. Do you see what I'm saying? They found these things, and they took them as soon as they found them because they didn't want them being exposed. Right? They didn't want to be exposed. They didn't want them exposed in telling the truth of what they were. Quintana, who has uncovered many other burial places, expresses the opinion that perhaps thousands of skeletons of a race of giants long extinct will be found. This supposition is based on the tradition handed down from early Spanish invasion. I'm telling you, there was a whole lot of stuff out west there. And there probably still is, right? But they will do their dead level best to make sure that we never find them. Springfield, some boys while playing on Barrett's Mound. This is from 1896. Are you paying attention to me? Do you understand what's going on here? That the media was controlled after the CIA mockingbird. It was completely controlled. And now the same narrative is told everywhere. Right? And they're not going to tell you. Some boys, while playing on Barrett's Mound on the village of Spring Valley, southwest of here, discovered a number of human bones that had been unearthed by the upheaval of a tree during a windstorm. Excavations were made, and four bodies were found resting in the ground where the tree had stood. 
all had been buried with the heads of the east indicating reverence for the sun. And one of them was found in a reclining position. The skeletons indicate a race of people close to eight feet in height and from relics and other indications were apparently warriors. Man, tell me that would not have been cool to find that. I'm telling you, that would have been unbelievable to find that. So on July 4th, Joseph Jefferson, the actor, has made an astounding find on the summer place, which he has purchased here near the ex-president Cleveland. In laying out the ground and making alterations, it became necessary to remove a sand hill of large size. The workman, while doing this, found a skeleton of a man that filled them with astonishment for its great size. When an attempt was made to lift the skeleton, it crumbled away, all except the skull. A workman laid down by the side of it. However, and it was estimated that it must have belonged to a man at least six feet, five inches, or six feet in six height. That ain't that big. And it was probably a whole lot bigger than that. They just don't want to tell you. They, I'm telling you, people don't want to sound dumb when they find them. No, the, those burial mounds are not Indian burial grounds. They're giant burial grounds. You don't need that much mound to build. This one says, uh, found 60 feet beneath the surface of the earth, embedded in a stratum of the hardest kind of clay. The bones are in a state of perfect preservation, the weight 1,500 pounds. The bones of the thigh and leg measure 6 feet 6 inches, and the jaw teeth weigh Three and a half to six pounds. The skull being about two-thirds in size. Let's just say some of these are fake. Okay. Some of them are. By the way, if you haven't listened to my giant stuff, I covered all these burial mounds. I'll show you. Okay. Here you go. Back in 2022, Giants in Genesis. This is an illustrated one. Uh, but our broadcasts on that giant birds and sea creatures that defy evolution, giant structures and tools that defy evolution, giant Nephilim, Inca, Indians, South African, South American sightings, giants in Europe, Nephilim, graves discovered, giants, ancient American Indian testimonies, mound builders, there you go, giants, their grave sites, eyewitness accounts. Wow, I didn't even have videos on there. I must have had them on. Okay, anyway, so there you go. You can find those all there and go back and research those. All right. Okay, Patrick. All right. Giant Tampa, Florida. When was this one written? 
This was posted 2014. There's no way that was written then. Uh, giant Indians who roamed Florida swamps 500 years ago or more living on shell foods, which they cracked with their teeth, is a picture unfolded by archaeologists who have delved into burial grounds. The skulls larger than those of current history battered and crushed indicated tribal battles. Veritable giants in comparison with those of today. Let's see. Here's another article. Days before yesterday, while the quarrymen employed by the Sunk Rapids Water Power Company were engaged in quarrying rock for the dam, found embedded in the solid granite rock the remains of a human being of gigantic status, about seven feet below the surface of the ground, about three feet and a half beneath the upper stratum of rock. The remains were found embedded in the sand, which had evidently been placed in the quadrangular grave from the crown of the head to the sole of the foot, the length 10 feet, nine and a half inches. They measured around the chest is 39 and a half inches. The giant must have weighed at least 966 pounds. Okay. So there you go. Thousand pound man. Thousand pound man, right? In a prehistoric cemetery recently uncovered in Mount Pelaire, France, while workmen were excavating a waterworks reservoir, human skulls were found measuring 28, 31, and 32 inches in circumference. The bones which were found with the skulls were also of gigantic proportions. These relics were sent to the Paris Academy and learned, and a learned savant who lectured on the find says they belong to a race of men between 10 and 15 feet tall. Right? So are all these people lying? No. Of course not. Gotta watch that. They got some stupid ad on the side there. Oh, I did that. Let's see. Let's see here. And some of these are fake. You got to watch what they say. But these mound builders, these places that we went, New Grange, right? May 4th, 1912 edition of the New York Times reported that what might be one of the strangest giant skeletons discovered. An excavation of a one large mound on Lake Fawn Farm near Lake Delavan revealed the skeletal remains of 18 individuals measuring between 7.6 feet and 10 feet tall. Hitherto unknown, the race of men were found to have six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, as well as double rows of teeth in their large elongated skulls. Where have we heard that before? Right? Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. 
right? They're there. Archaeologists unearthed a 3,000-year-old giant statue in Sardinian Necropolis. Boy, they got giant statues, but they can't find any giants, those, those uh, Smithsonian scientists, can they? Nope, they're all fake, but here we go. Look at this. Skeletons of ancient times which showed men of enormous stature. January 5th, 1924. The past was prolific of the production of giants of the present in 1830. One of these giants who was exhibited at Rouen was 10 feet high and the giant Galabra brought about from Arabia to Rome in the time of Claudius Caesar was of the same height. Phanum, who lived in the time of Eugene II, was 11 and a half feet in height. There you go. It says in 1623, near the castle of Dauphine, a tomb was found 30 feet long, 16 feet wide, and 8 feet high, on which were cut in gray stones the words Cantaculus Rex. The skeleton was found entire and measured 25 and a fourth feet high, 10 feet across the shoulders, and 5 feet from the breastbone to the back. But France is not the only country where giant skeletons have been unearthed. Near Palomero, Sicily, in 1516, was found the skeleton of a 30 feet high, of a giant 30 feet high, and in 1559, another 40 foot feet, 44 feet high. The skeleton of a giant 30 feet high, whose head was the size of a hog's head. And each tooth weighed five ounces. How about that, huh? No way, that can't be real. Way. It is real. Not Israel, but it is real. Right? Here's one. Look at this. This is from 1896, the New York Journal. Is this the ancestor of the American race? Discovery of an ancient giant footprint in British. Excuse me. In uh, British Columbia raises an interesting question. Heights of all the giants whom we know of. So how come this stuff was in the news then, but it's nowhere to be found now? Right? Where is it all? Like, where's all the, where's all this stuff at now? Well, I'll tell you how, where it is. The news media is completely controlled now. And because it's completely controlled now, they all have to have the same narrative. They all have to have the same narrative. Fossils of three human beings, evidently prehistoric giants, were found near Monticeno, Montana, the other day by C.H. Beeler, a farmer, at the depths of 40 feet. The size of these skulls indicate that the bodies must have been at least 10 feet high, and the bones resembling those of a human skeleton seem to bear out this theory. 
Fossils of mastodons and animals extinct for centuries have been found in the vicinity by people who were plowing or digging wells. It seems to be a regular graveyard for 40 miles around the prehistoric bones. This is going to be an old news article, right? Now, this is interesting. I think it's right here. Nope, this is another one. There's an interesting article I'm going to show you here in a minute, okay? It it is super interesting, by the way. But here we go. Here's a newspaper here. Giant skeletons found. Unmoved, unseen, and untouched for hundreds of years or so long a period that it can only be estimated by historians and hidden in the recesses of a deep cave 25 miles north of Shoshan, Lincoln County, in southern Idaho, states a recent Boise report. The place was sel- has seldom been visited and is known to but a few. Is the skeleton of a giant 10 feet tall, evidently of prehistoric origin. As corroborate proof, they are now exhibiting the rusty and time-worn barrel of what appears to be an old and ancient make rifle or gun weighing between 25 and 30 pounds, resembling a flintlock rifle, which they claim was picked up beside the skeleton. Wait, like, do you think that these old giants and old, you think, you think any of them could could have made their own flintlock rifles? You think you think it's possible that they could have made their own flintlock rifles? Well, I know I ain't carrying no white rifle around weighing 25, 30 pounds. I can guarantee you that one. The bones will be taken out of the cave at the earliest possible date and carefully look! <laughs> carefully packed and forwarded to the Smithsonian Institute. But of course. Of course they'll go to the Smithsonian because, I mean, they're the protectors of science. We wanted to go to the Smithsonian. Its appearance, it is believed by those who have seen the skeleton, will result in an invasion of the caves in that section of Idaho by students wishing to seek knowledge of the early inhabitants of America. The skull of this giant is twice as large as the average man. The shape would indicate that the giant had a massive head upon his broad shoulders and that the large limb bones indicated the giant must have been a man of great strength and physical power. The skeleton is very well preserved and was found far back in the chambers of the cave, stretched at full length. Close by, the, by, was, close by was the barrel of the rusty gun, which is of make unknown to those familiar with firearms and considered a genuine trophy by its possessors. No reasonable theory can be advanced by the discoveries of as to how the skeletons happen to be in the cave. Those who have looked into it here. Let's see. Here it is. The facts believe that the skeleton, those that looked into the facts believe that the skeleton represents one of the lost race 
of probably unknown to historians in this day and age, which occupied the American continent long before the Redskin held the country in his power. Well, I believe that. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Now, I thought this was very interesting. Someone found giant animals, and I think giants. Ezra Stiles is a, was a, a Puritan preacher, a congregational preacher, and he wrote to Thomas Jefferson. And he was the president of Yale. And he said, I am honored with your letter of the 10th, which I received by Colonel Humphreys three days ago, in which you are pleased to ask some communications, which may be wrought into an illustration of your theory in opposition to the opinion of, of M. Buffon. Narratives of the marvelous in natural history and reasonings among them are apt to subject the virtuosi to the imputation of credulity and enthusiasm. So here's what he's talking about, okay? You found something. What did you find? What struck me first was an instant conviction about 24 years ago. There was in these ages, no animal on earth or in the ocean of the magnitude adequate to these bones and teeth. So there were huge bones and teeth that were found. They were like monsters. And, you know, 14 pounds four pounds of tooth and different things like that. This made me listen with more attention to an otherwise incredulous and enthusiastic of my grandfather, the Reverend Edward Taylor, minister of Westfield, about six miles west of Springfield on Connecticut River, where he lived from 1671 to 1729 and died near 87 years old. He was a physician and very learned in chemistry and natural history and a vast reading and a nice and curious observation, though very much a recluse from the world. I believe I am possessed of 30 volumes of his manuscripts, chiefly in Porto, some of his MSS contains such wonderful facts and speculations as would seem to indicate credulity and imagination. And yet this was not his reputation, which was that he was grave, solid, judicious, learned old man. I observe this because I find that most gentlemen, even of literature, to whom I have read the following extract, consider it as a mixture of credulity and imagination. Mr. Taylor kept a continued register of occurrences and events. Civil, political, religious, celestial phenomena. 1705, one of the gentlemen of the council at York carried thither a monstrous tooth that weighed four pounds and three quarters and said to be one of the great teeth of a man, whole and sound on top, but much decayed in its fangs, one of which being hollow contained half a pint of liquor. <laughs> it was dug out of a bank or a hill that rose some 30 or 40 feet above the place. Now, whether this is a large bone of a man or whether it's a large bone of an animal, we don't know. He says they found another tooth that seemed to be a foretooth that was four fingers broad and dug up bones that when they came to the air turned to dust. But one bone they took up judged a thigh bone of a man 17 foot long. I have no clue if that's true. Bakun, a Dutch man that came from Albany, brought to my house and showed me another tooth of a monster buried at Claverock, as it is related in July of 1705 like a grinder tooth. 
right? The Dutchman asserted that the bone that they took up judged to be the knee bone that was about a foot in its diameter. And the place where the bone lay was 25 paces long, according to which the monster was judged to be 60 or 70 feet high. The Indians flocking to see the monster's bones upbraided the Dutch with unbelief and that they would not believe the report of a monstrous person, which they had told them from their fathers that about 240 years ago, there was a monstrous person as high as the tops of the pine trees that would hunt bears till they took the trees and then would catch them up in his hands and would go into the river. 12 to 14 feet deep and catch three or four sturgeons at a time. Boy, that's a crazy story, but it's unbelievable that he's telling it. I have extracted the above at large, although you, sir, must have read a summary thereof. Mr. Taylor, who wrote poetry to Queen Elizabeth's days, began an epic poem on this monster in three books. So, he talked about historical memoir of giants, antediluvian and post-diluvian, from Og, king of Bashan, to the evidence of giants and the fables of Norway. What's my, what's my point in this? He's talking about pre-flood giants, post-flood giants, and giant animals. The flood might bring elephants or the Montessaurus to Ireland, Saxony, and Ohio or Siberia, as well as to carry inland shells and other marine fossils dug up into the Appalachian Mountains and other interior parts of the continents. I am at no difficulty here. I do not need the importation of elephants in the times of Claudius and the Roman conquests, but the question is whether any animal of the Terraquis globe now exists with teeth and bones of these magnitudes. So anyway, he's writing about that. I'm not going to read the whole article. But it's interesting, right? The things that... The places of bones and skeletons in Ireland... Dr. Molinex's skeleton or place of bones in Ireland was 30 feet and a claverick. This space was 70 feet and one bone, 17 feet itself of height superior to that of the highest elephant. As to whale's teeth, they have none of the similitude of those from the salines of the Ohio or those of the claverick. What is he saying? Large bones, big animals. Twice as big, two to three times as big as anything you see here. What does this give evidence of? A worldwide flood. Destroys evolution. And truly shows creation. Right? Because this is not fanatics that are writing these things. These are preachers. This is Thomas Jefferson. These are people that aren't crazy people. They're reputable people. Here's some more. Right? Let's see. I don't know if there's anything on this one. I don't see anything on this one. Oh, maybe, let's see what he says about it. 
These are numerous reported instances in which the discovery of larger-than-average human remains were found in and around Lake Delavan, Wisconsin. In 1911, there was a stir of reports made from the Phillips brothers that, that were published in the local newspaper. It was said that the skeleton remains found were in Indian effigy mounds and around seven to nine feet tall. They were buried with shell necklaces and hardened clay to help preserve the remains of the burial mounds. The skulls that were found in this specific location were reported to have been different from the usual human skull. The top of the heads was apparently sloped back, starting at the brows and angled backwards into a shape similar to a cone. Not only this, but the noses were said to be bigger and protrude further out from the face than the average man, the average human. Also in Wisconsin is the article stating that a man named Henry Green unearthed the bones of a large man while he was digging gravel on his farm. The William Spilter Farm was in Rock River Valley south under Lake Koshkonog in this where the skeleton was uncovered. So we're going to read a bunch of these here. But real giant bones found after 1845. Here we go. In 1891, a small piece in the local newspaper was published stating that two human skeletons were dug up by workers in Lakewood, New York. The thigh bone was 30 inches long, but not much else is said about the bones in this short excerpt. Two human skeletons of giant size were unearthed by workmen. The visible... So they saw it there. Miller, South Dakota. Again, before the news is controlled. July 20th, 1907, an eight-foot giant skeleton was dug up according to a July 25th paper publishment in the Sioux Reservation. Why are these all on Indian reservations? Are you starting to get this? You're not allowed to go digging in mounds now. It's ancient sacred burial grounds of what? Indians? Nope. Giants. They're ancient sacred burial grounds of giants. That's why you're not allowed to dig around them. You're not allowed to. You have to stay away from them because it's sacred. In the Sioux Reservation, within a gravel pit, around 50 skeletons were found buried. Most of these skeletons were said to be small, but this one was eight feet tall. Hmm? December 18th, 1845. As seen in the image here, this newspaper from Tennessee speaks on a human skeleton that was found in the area. This skeleton was allegedly looked at by the Nashville Orthopolitan and described as weighing in the aggregate of 1,500 pounds. This means that they judged it to have weighed 1,500 pounds as completed and preserved skeleton. Being that the entire skeleton would have weighed this much, the estimation of overall size while the skeleton was part of a living being would have been nearly 3,000 pounds. They also guesstimated the height of the being to be around 18 to 20 feet tall.
Prescott, Arizona. August 5th, 1911, a man named Peter Mars found the remains of a human said to be twice as tall as any person on earth at that time. These human remains were unearthed on his farm and were said to be different than any of the known Indian remains found around the area. This account comes from a different state in America near the same time that Wisconsin Phillip brothers were dealing with their situation. The year was 1911, a busy time for giant bones being discovered. You know why? Because people were building things, digging things, moving things. They were finding things. Pine Grove, Nevada, March 16, 1888. A fragment of human leg bone was found in Pine Grove, Nevada and brought into Carson, Nevada. The portion of the leg bone was just below the knee and was weighed in at around 20 pounds. It was measured for length and width at 8 inches wide and 2 feet long. Clearly, the professionals were called to check the bone, but there's no record of a bone density test on this particular piece of skeleton. It would be incredibly helpful to have more scientific data for proof of these skeletons, such as bone density. The skeleton in full was said to have been around 25 feet tall, according to local physicians that looked at the fragment. The physicians are quoted as saying, it is unquestionably a portion of the skeleton is the largest human remains yet discovered. But you ain't going to find any more information because you're not supposed to. Because you're supposed to fit the narrative that all these are fake. You're, first of all, you're not supposed to even talk about these. August 23rd, 1912. The remains of a big Indian were found in San Francisco, California. It is said in this article that the remains of a race of giant Indians from 400 years ago have been found along the islands of Santa Barbara. William Altman is referenced as the curator of the Golden Gate Park Memorial Museum during this time. It is accredited with finding these giant bones. These bones found in Indian burial mounds similar to the ones that the Phillips brothers found the year before in Wisconsin around the body were arrowheads, mortars, and pestles, and charm stones. Skeleton was measured 7 feet 4 inches tall. Carthage, Illinois. September 11th, 1891, the Sweeney Mounds were investigated around the Carthage area of Illinois. During the investigation, hundreds of human skeletons were unearthed that were described as human skeletons of giant proportions. Where are they now? Like, where are they now? That's a good question, isn't it? I'd like to know. Don't you want to know? Where are they? Where are all of these now? These skeletons. Hang on, I gotta find my spot. There we go. Where are they? Hmm. I mean, you should, with all of these references, you should be able to walk into a place and be like, oh, yeah. I visited the giant museum in Montana.
And at the all the giants that have been found are at the giant museum, the Natural Museum of History in Montana, or the Natural Museum of Scientist History in Wisconsin, or in Minnesota. There should be one in every state, or or at least a display in every national museum or every state museum. But they're not. Why? Because they're gone. Well, who bought all the giant skulls and all the giant bodies and all the bones? I think you know the answer to that. Boise, Idaho. March 18th, 1910, in a cave 25 miles north of Shoshan. Lincoln County, Idaho, the skeleton of a 10-foot-tall prehistoric man was uncovered. The remains found in Idaho was said to have a 30-pound flintlock rifle near the remains. The bones were said to have been packed up carefully and shipped to the Smithsonian Museum. The skull of it was being said to be twice the size of an average human skull. I like what he says. National Geographic should do a show on this skeleton giant in the Smithsonian Museum. If it's really there today... I would love to see this, wouldn't you? Laws changing because of giant skeletons being found. May 27th, 1911. There were brand new laws put into place directly after the widely publicized Indian burial mound findings from the Phillips brothers in Lake Delavan, Wisconsin. Inside of two months from the first publication of these articles about giant bones being found in the effigy mounds, there were new laws enacted by the government to stop anyone and everyone that wasn't them from touching the mounds and remains. This has to be more than a simple coincidence. Chapter 188, 442M, 442N, and 4420 were made in order to stop people from destroying, digging up, or touching the mounds and remains altogether. If anyone were to touch these bones, they would be in legal trouble. These laws also gave the state government complete control over touching the mounds and remains as well as giving the okay for anyone to do the same. One could easily make the assumption this would allow the state government to let the federal government in and take the remains of their own research purposes. Ah. Weird. And Reuters wants to fact check. What do they say? Claims that the Smithsonian destroyed thousands of giant skeletons are many years old and satirical. Come on, it's just satire. They didn't really destroy anything. Reuters fact check. That's like uh, Snopes. Right? Time to fact check. Is this anything like Facebook facts checks things? Or YouTube fact checks things? Or any of them they fact check things? Come on, there's no conspiracies. Well... Then I got a question for you. How do you explain where the hundreds of hundreds of skulls went? Where are they all? Where'd they all go? Is there a humongous display rooms long at the at the uh, Smithsonian that show all these giants that I can go look at them?
How come nobody reports it? When's the last time you've seen a major news uh, organization report on giants being found? Oh, well, you don't really, unless it's in an unsolved mystery like you just saw the video that I showed you that is purposely done in that way to make it look fake. Here you go. Skeletons found indicate that a race of giants once lived on the banks of the Sycamore Creek. There has thus been revealed a very interesting situation that prevailed at some time or another in the physical makeup of a race as reflected in the massive remains that have been recovered and which are indisputable of a giant type of humanity that is bewildering to most of this generation. The skull of a human is in the possession of Mr. Corbin together with a portion of the frame that would indicate... Right? That would indicate, where's that at? One who in life must have attained the height of at least eight feet. The size of the face has been natural position of the head of the living. They were so massive as a shield, the features like unto a perfect mask. The bones of the legs likewise are of great strength and heavier than any of this day. That is a prehistoric burying place has been determined, is proven, is the finding of a handful which archaeologists trace to the Toltec period. Huh. Well, Mr. Corbin said that the mammoth skeleton is a duplicate of that discovered some months ago by Peter Marks on Walnut Creek. Here's another one. Skeletons found indicate that a race once lived on the banks of the Sycamore Creek. That's the same one. Skull found indicates previous Floridians were sizable. Big stuff, right? Weird, huh? Body of a giant found in Michigan. The Border City Star, Saturday, September 6, 1919. Let's see. While digging at the rear of his home in North Street yesterday afternoon, Oren Nearman, a city patrolman, struck what he supposed to be a stick of wood about two feet below the surface as to be As he continued the excavation, he was startled to find that he had uncovered the well-preserved body of a man 12 feet 7 inches in height. The body is intact in every detail and apparently is petrified, although the skin was broken by a shovel when the digger first struck it. The legs are of great strength, measuring approximately 6 feet from the thighs to to the sole of the huge feet. Even the fingers are still in place and the ribs and the bones. The features are well-preserved. 
Well, where in the world did that body go? Well, I don't know where it went. I haven't the foggiest. Weird, huh? Mr. Yates, Jacob Yates, what? I knew it. His curiosity to arouse Mr. Yates called in some neighbors and armed with picks, they burrowed their way into the side of the cliff and found an ancient sepulcher crowded with human skeletons, some of them larger than the first found. One of them frames measured 12 feet along with skeletons were found curiously wrought jewels and strange ornaments while cooking vessels and musical instruments of queer design were unearthed in great profusion. The diggers are still at work. Expect to make even more important findings. Really? Smashing! In the words of Harry, literally, literally, literally smashing! Three skeletons of olden giants are discovered. There you go. The the story of the Maui king whose bodyguard fell on invasion brought back. Can't see this one. Hmm. Ah. Okay. Skeleton of Stone Age men are dug up in Connecticut. Prehistoric inhabitants of Nutmeg State wear flatheads of great strength and huge teeth. Flatheads. Let's see. I was looking to see if it said anything else about them. Old flatheads. That's not very nice. You shouldn't call people flatheads. That's mean. Giant in ancient mound. June 23rd, 1908. Huntington, West Virginia. The municipal authorities of Central City, four miles west of here, three weeks ago, ordered the removal of a prehistoric mound from 13th Street. Today, 12 feet above... The base of the mound, a gigantic human skull was discovered. It is almost seven feet in length and a massive proportions. It was surrounded by a man, mass of rude trinkets. Eight huge copper bracelets were discovered. These were burnished, proved to be of the purest beaten copper and a perfect preservation. Rude stone vessels, hatchets, and arrowheads were found with the skeleton. A curiously inscribed totem was found at the head of the skeleton. 
The Smithsonian Institute will be notified of the discovery. Oh, I'm sure they will. Goodbye, Skeleton Man. Gone. We'll definitely let them know. What could possibly go wrong? Right? Right. Finding the skeleton of a giant. The work has been thoroughly done and leaves no room for doubt. What is this? I have no idea, but it is a news report. The work has been thoroughly done and leaves no room for doubt as to the accuracy of its results. It was utterly exploded. Old theories as to the more ancient race of superior civilization, which is imagined to have been responsible for the creation of the monuments in question. It has been demonstrated that the objects yielded by the tumuli, which are not unmistakably Indian manufacture, were obtained from the whites. Major Powell, who was for many years in charge of geological survey, has said that this investigation was as much of a blind study as the original efforts to decipher the inscriptions upon the stone wonders of Egypt. The most interesting work of the mound builders are the so-called effigy mounds, representing birds and many kinds of mammals which are confined almost wholly to Wisconsin in a small part of Iowa. The whole of the Valley of Prairie du Chien Township is dotted with these ancient animals in droves, all heading to the southwest like the river. Okay. It is a matter of official record that in digging through a mound in Iowa, the scientists found the skeleton of a giant. No more digging in mounds. Seven feet, six inches tall when alive. The bones crumbled to dust when exposed to the air. Around the neck from a co- was a collar of bear's teeth. And across the thighs were dozens of small copper beads, which may have been adorned of a hunting skirt. The latter were formed by rolling slender wire-like strips of metal into little rings. One skull obtained from a mound in Alabama was completely filled with snail shells. In other mounds in Iowa was found a center chamber containing 11 skeletons, which were arranged in a circle with their backs against the walls. In their midst was a great seashell, which had been converted into a drinking cup. Smaller cavities in the same tumult's Cumulus were filled with the fine copper-colored dust, which when first uncovered gave out such a sickening odor that operations had to be suspended for a while. The dust was supposed to be the ashes from burned flesh, perhaps that of individuals in the central chamber. But all these studies and discoveries have not given up anything really historically concerning the people who did these things. The officials of the Geological Survey of the Smithsonian Institution, the National Museum, and the other centers of science philosophy at the national capital all agree that the question as to whence the Indians originally came is still in dispute and likely to be remained so. Are you getting it? This article is proving they covered it up. They found out that the giants were there before the Indians and the giants proved that evolution is false. So they used the Indians to cover up the giants. You get it? Plain and simple. It's so easy to see. Why? You can't go around 
and dig up ancient Indian burial mounds? Why? Because we found giants in them, that's why. Well, I'll be a horse's patootie. Those are now ancient Indian burial mounds. And we have to cover up all the giants. So they did. So they started back then, and they do it now. Because they're admitting it. says here, there is no truth in the attractive notion that once a mighty nation occupied the valley of the Mississippi with its frontier settlements resting on the lake shores and Gulf coasts, nestling in the valleys of the Appalachian Range and skirting the broad plains of the West. A nation with its system of government and religion which had disappeared, leaving behind it no evidence of its glory, power, or extent, save the mounds and what they contain. One thing is certain. That is that the mound builders continued their work for some time after the European discoverers and adventurers came to the shores of this continent and penetrated its terra incognita. Right. Right. Precisely. So, what does that tell you? Whatever you do, don't go digging around in mounds. Because if you did, you would not find giants there. If you dug in mounds, you would not find giants. You would find ancient Indians and you would desecrate their land. So don't do it. Stop it. So what happened? Well, the narrative changed. What changed about the narrative? Well, now they're ancient Indian mounds and you can't do that. Well, they didn't build those mounds. The little six feet Indians didn't build them big mounds. They didn't, they didn't build big old tombs and do all. They didn't do any of that. What did they need 15 foot tombs for and all that weird stuff? Well, because they, they liked them again. Right? Getting it? Yeah, so what you're actually saying is that there was really a plot. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Absolutely. Where did the Indians come from? See, look what they ask in the article. Where did the Indians come from? And who are the mound builders? Men and women who read and study the history of this continent have absorbed the and originated all sorts of the theories concerning the aboriginal inhabitants of this world. The Bureau of Ethnology has worked on this problem for the last 20 years with great energy and earnest. Right. And to cover it up completely.
Right? Classic lore has many records of giants. The Greeks described Orestes as being 11 feet in height. Pliny says that the tallest man in his age was Gabara, who was 9 feet 9 inches in height. He was brought from Arabia in the reign of Claudius Maximus, the emperor, who was 8 feet 6 inches in height and is said to have won his wife's bracelet as a ring upon his thumb. Wore it as a ring upon his thumb. Right. Wisconsin Mound opened. One of the three recently discovered mounds in this town was has been opened. It was found the skeleton of a man of gigantic size. The bones measured from head to foot over nine feet and was in a fair state of preservation. The skull was as large as a half bushel measure. Some finely tempered rods of copper and other relics were lying near the bones. The mound from which these relics were taken is 10 feet high and 30 feet long. Okay. Big old dude over nine feet tall. Yeah. Well, how come we don't look at them other mounds like that everywhere across the country? We see them all mounted up there. Now, I want you to understand something. Robert Waldlow was not a giant. Robert Waldlow had a genetic disorder. The giants that are unearthed that are 12 feet, 15 feet, 10 feet, uh, 20 feet, those giants, there was no genetic disorder besides the sons of God and the daughters of men. Also, there were probably some big men back then too as well before the flood. It's not the same thing. Don't get confused by that. Robert Wadlow was a sick individual. I don't mean a nasty one. I mean his body was sick. While workmen were taking gravel out of a pit near Enon, Enon, they unearthed two skeletons of human beings. One of the skulls contained four horns, two on one side of the head. The horns are uniform in their, and little more than two inches long. They are located directly above and below the ears. These are probably not animals. Or these are probably animals, not humans, is what they found. Okay? In a prehistoric cemetery recently uncovered in Montpellier, France, while workmen were excavating. Okay, we talked about that one already. 10 to 15 feet tall. Okay. Containing the skeletons, right? This is a clipping in the Cincinnati Enquirer, published in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1124. Evidences of a prehistoric race have been uncovered by Hugh Yates. Yates! I'm telling you there's another one! Yep, that's the same one we read about. Never mind. But he's from the same area, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yates. Madison, Wisconsin. May 3rd. The discovery of several skeletons 
of human beings while excavating a mound at Lake Delavan indicates that a heretofore unknown race of men once inhabited southern Wisconsin. Information of the discovery was brought to Madison today by Maurice Maurice of Delavan, who came here to attend a meeting of the Republican State Central Committee. Curator Charles Brown of the State Historical Museum will investigate the discoveries within a few days. Upon opening one large mound at Lake Lawn Farm, 18 skeletons were discovered by the Phillips brothers. The heads, presumably those of men, are much larger than the heads of any race which inhabited America today from directly over the eye sockets. The heads slope straight back. We, we talked about those, right? Smashing! Smashing find! Right? Right! Best preserved skeleton of extinct tribe hauled from the channel. They call them Neanderthal. Look at that. Cave found in Indiana. Giant skeletons and metals strange to America. Seen in an ancient sepulcher. Why? Because them Indians weren't the first to be here. That's why. See how it works? Smithsonian. Under the federal government. Pays off the Indians. Agrees to make their land sacred land. The mounds are covered. You can't touch the mounds. It covers up for evolution. The Indians are bought off. And there you be. Makes sense to you, huh? Makes sense to me. Behemoth. A Legend of the Mound Builders. Hey, I need to find that book, Scott. Behemoth, A Legend of the Mound Builders. That would be smashing! Here's another one. A race of giants in Old Gaul. In the year 1890, some human bones of enormous size, double the ordinary in fact, were found in the tumults of Castellana, Haralt, and have been have since been carefully examined by Professor Kiner, who, while admitting that the bones are those of a very tall race, nevertheless finds them abnormal in dimensions and apparently of morbid growth. They undoubtedly reopen the question of the giants of antiquity, but do not furnish sufficient evidence to decide it. Oh, of course not. How could that be true? I mean, it's after all, it's 1892, October 3rd, 1892, and we could not have evolution... Uh, ev- information against evolution to be proved true, that would be horrible. So what do we have to do? We have to shut it down and say, well, this information is inconclusive, and according to this, I'm sorry, it means nothing. Wait, dude, we just found a 12-foot dude. Oh, well, that's nothing. That's a, a figment of your imagination, sir. No, sincerely, we just found a 12-foot dude. Nothing, nothing, nothing doesn't mean anything. Stop it. You never saw that. No, I did see it. It's 12 feet. Look at it. Nope, 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 nope. Can't be true. Why? Because we know we're evolving and we're getting better. 
and giants come from that silly Bible of yours. Right? Right? They come from that silly Bible, and of course that can't be true. So, I'm going to show you what it reminds me of. Hang on one second. Let's see. Here we go. I'll show you two of them here. Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this atheism thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. Certainly, yes. Well, you see, in, in ancient times, people like you invented stories about various gods creating the earth and mankind because you lacked the scientific knowledge necessary to understand the origins of the universe. But in my day, thanks to scientific progress, we do understand these things, and so it's no longer necessary for us to fool ourselves into thinking that some silly... God created us. But what about all that stuff that defies scientific explanation? Isn't that evidence of God's existence? Yeah, riddle us that, Patrick. Stuff like what? Well, how about the multitude of miracles in the Bible, chief among them the resurrection of our Lord Jesus? Oh, you sweet little simpletons, people don't rise from the dead. Except for that one time Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, that was awesome. No, what I'm saying is that Jesus never rose from the dead. And how do you know that, Patrick? Because it's not possible for people to rise from the dead. Yeah, we know. That's why it was sort of a big deal when Jesus rose from the dead. Look, I think you're far too uneducated to understand this, but if people could rise from the dead, then people would rise from the dead. If Jesus could rise from the dead, surely someone else would have risen from the dead as well. Other people have risen from the dead. Like who? Like all the people in the Bible who rose from the dead because Jesus rose them from the dead not long before he himself rose from the dead. Well, obviously you can't count those examples. Why not, Patrick? Because they come from the Bible, and the Bible is a ridiculous book full of silly stories that couldn't possibly happen, like... People rising from the dead? Exactly. Right. So according to you, the resurrection doesn't prove the existence of God because it never happened. And we know it never happened because we know that people can't rise from the dead. And we know that people can't rise from the dead because no one ever has risen from the dead if you don't count all the people who have risen from the dead. I think I'm onto your little trick here, Patrick. Yeah, you're a sneaky little secularist, Patrick. So your strategy for proving the non-existence of God is to systematically rule out every piece of evidence for the existence of God solely because that evidence could be used to prove the existence of God. What a perfectly reasonable use of the scientific method, Patrick. Yeah, we'd love to see you employ this strategy in the laboratory, Patrick. Hey, Connell, I just proved that there's no such thing as barium. And how'd you do that, Donald? By throwing out all the samples of barium. 
them. I'm surprised more defense attorneys don't attempt this in the courtroom. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have conclusively proven to you that my client is innocent. As long as you ignore the murder weapon, his confession, and the 400 witnesses who saw him stab that guy in the face. Look, <laughs> clearly you're not enlightened enough to understand what I, I mean really, Patrick. By your logic, the first president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod could prove himself to be the best-looking man in the world. All he'd have to do is lock every other male on the planet in his dressing room right before the beauty pageant begins. Oh, no, even then I would still lose. So I may not be a scientist, Patrick. I may not possess your superior intellect and education. I may even be a superstitious Neanderthal who thinks that thunder is what happens when God yells at leprechauns. I think it's the result of a shockwave in the air due to the sudden thermal expansion of plasma in the lightning channel, but that's because I'm stupid. Nonetheless, I still know a lame argument when I hear one. And when you accuse Christians of remaining in ignorance because they refuse to allow any evidence to challenge their theistic worldview, only to dismiss every eyewitness account of our Lord's resurrection solely because it challenges your atheistic worldview, well, that's not just lame. It's also a wee bit of the clover calling the grass green. That's an adorable Celtic twist on a classic idiom, Patrick. Don't be absurd. I treat the Bible exactly the way I treat everything else. I'm a man of reason and evidence and facts. I'm a man of science, a world-renowned evolutionary biologist. I defy you to give me one example of something that I believe in, despite no scientist ever having seen it happen. Evolution. Dang it. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. There's a heartless, hateful, murderous ogre. Watch really? this. this. Have you actually read your holy book? Uh, uh, but really, have you actually read your holy book? Your god is a heartless, hateful, murderous ogre. There's no reason to believe in such a vile deity. I'm sorry, Patrick. I'm going to need a second to recover from that. Yeah, Patrick, stop in the name of logic before you break my brain. Placing your failure to properly understand the justice of the Almighty aside for a moment, did you honestly just argue that God doesn't exist because he's mean? Why, if being a jerk made you cease to exist, then every war in human history would have been over the second it started. Rosie O'Donnell would have disappeared in a puff of smoke in 1998 instead of getting fired from The View once every seven minutes. And that jerk who makes those Lutheran satire videos wouldn't even be able to finish recording. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Patrick. There you go. So, uh... I hope you learned something and you see from news where the where things changed once they started finding proof of giants. And they started finding them on these burial mounds and they started finding them all over America and all over the world. Guess what has to happen? Shut it down. So they made them all sacred burial grounds. It's like Newgrange when you go there. They don't like you monkeying with stuff too much there, right? The pictures, all that kind of stuff, which we're going to deal with Newgrange sometime in the future. But uh, anyway, they don't like it, do they? No. They don't want their... They don't want the truth out there. Because if giants are real, evolution has no answer for why giants exist. Evolution has zero answers to why there are giants but i have answers and here they are and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of god saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose and the lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh 
Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. I have answers. They have none. All right. Praise the Lord. Now, let's play a song here, give you a chance to say hello and um, all that fun stuff, and then we will get out of here. I'll spend the rest of my night here enjoying. Uh, Got to do some exercise here, and then after that, I'll run around with my family and eat some food and enjoy enjoy the rest of my Saturday here. I'm, I've always got something to do. Tomorrow, we're going to run down in the afternoon. We're going to leave the meeting house and I and run down to Owatonna to the Steel County Gay Games thing they're doing. Preach there, hold our banners up, and then run back to the meeting house, and then we will uh, probably preach Baptist history. Okay, uh, we'll be back in talking about Rome's bloody crusades. Right, so. If you missed the broadcast, bummer! It was a special broadcast because yesterday I was recording for the Coliseum. So I decided to do a Saturday special broadcast. And hopefully it's a blessing to you. See. Hmm. Oh, I'm so happy in the Lord ere since he saved my soul. All shouted from the mountain tops, Christ Jesus made me whole. Rejoicing, singing, praises always daily takes us home.
right, let's do one more. I have a little bit of time here. Let's see. Let's see what. You know, I, I haven't played some of these Alan Ives songs. I'm just trying to see. I haven't played some of these. everybody all right god bless you if you'd like to pray for us number one we could use your prayers as we go out tomorrow especially uh because there's going to be some people that aren't very happy with what's going where we're going and uh, so pray for our ministry there and pray for the preaching of god's word that takes place there the banners that we that we hold out there and we just pray lord would bless us and uh, safe and then also pray uh, for our needs as a church uh, needs that we have for our ministry and uh, all that we're doing there. Uh, and if you'd like to give towards that, here's how you do that right here. Uh, OldPazBaptistChurch.org. Click on the donate button there. Give through there. Uh, Apple Pay, Venmo, and... Oh, uh, PayPal, of course. 
Uh, and then uh, also you can go to our sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley page. Go down to the bottom of the page, and it has our address there. If you'd like to mail us something there, uh, that is that goes to 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. All right? God bless you all. Thank you. Appreciate your prayers and appreciate uh, your faithfulness. And hopefully this was a blessing to you. Kind of shows you that cover up and kind of, it, it just shows you exactly what, why things have changed. Like, why is all that dried up? Why don't we see that every day? There's a reason for that. And now you know why. And anyway, so God bless you all. Take care. And uh, we'll see you here soon.